Good morning, welcome, and Merry Christmas. I'm glad to see you come back this morning. I feel like I just left, uh, but I'm grateful that you've come for this uh, Christmas day worship service. We are delighted to be in the house of the Lord. This is where we should be on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I'm delighted that you've come to share in this day with me and with those who have uh, given their time to lead us in worship today. The opportunities of the week are listed in the bulletin. They are not much this week. The church office is closed on Monday and Tuesday. We will be open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And on uh, Wednesday, December the 28th, the youth will meet at 615. They will meet. They have something they're going to do. And so I trust that you will uh, come if you are involved with the youth. Also, next Sunday is John Hare's last Sunday with us uh, Dwight Hedges will begin working with us the following week on uh, Tuesday. The holiday is on Monday, so he will begin working with us on Tuesday. And I hadn't planned it, but last week uh, I was inspired to ask John if he would like to preach next Sunday, since it is his last Sunday. So John will preach in both services next Sunday. Uh, we will be in the uh, Family Life Center for the first service next week. That does not necessarily mean that Sunday school will be there. It depends on how much progress they make. Uh, this week doing the classrooms upstairs, but the middle part of the building is uh, usable, and so we will be able to use that uh, for our first service next week. So I hope that you will come and be a part of those services next week. We will have our uh, service at uh, 8.30 as well as 11 and Sunday school in between, even though it is New Year's Day. So we hope that you will come and be a part of that next week. If you look, if you were in the first service last night, you see the Christ candle is burning brightly this morning. Uh, those things do happen. And uh, anyway, uh, we did check that. That wasn't like it hadn't been checked. It's just one of those things that happens occasionally. But uh, we made the best of it and uh, worked through that. But I'm grateful again that you are here today. And now let us worship God.
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's a joy to have all of you here today in God's house this Christmas morning as we celebrate baptism. And I don't know if there's any better way to celebrate a Christmas morning service at church than to watch someone be baptized. And that's what we come here today to do. Merry Christmas to you. We're so glad that you're here. As we reflect on baptism and what that means this morning, as I was reading in the book of Galatians, I came to Galatians 5, verse 1, where it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And baptism is symbolic of our freedom in Christ and how Christ gave all of his life for us. So let's take a moment to pray, and just for a couple moments, would you reflect on the gift of Christ in your life as we celebrate Christmas and baptism this morning as I pray. Father, we welcome you into this place. We welcome your spirit here as we celebrate Christmas, but most importantly, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate the gift of himself to mankind, for it was Jesus who came to set us free. God, in a moment as we celebrate baptism and as someone is buried under the water and then is raised up out of that water, we remember how Christ was buried for us with our sin, but was then resurrected three days later so that we could have life and have hope for the life to come. But of course it all started as Jesus was simply <coughs> a baby born in a manger as God with us, the Emmanuel, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. As we come into your house this morning for Christmas, may we remember the gift of love, Jesus Christ, in whose name do we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we have Stephanie with us. She has become a part of our children's program. And can anybody see you? There you go. All right. Stephanie uh, has been a part of our children's program uh, for the last year or two. Her sister, Tori, is in the youth group with us. And Stephanie came to me, uh, I guess it was, what, a month ago or so, right around Thanksgiving, and said that she had made a commitment to Christ um, about a year or two ago in vacation Bible school with another church, but had never been baptized. And she said, you know, I, I understand what it means. I've been saved. I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And uh, she said that she wanted to get baptized, and we are here to celebrate her being baptized today. By the way, the Bryant family is right here to the left. I'm calling y'all out, but I'm doing that so that uh, I would encourage all of you to go say Merry Christmas to them and welcome them here with us today as well. But uh, Stephanie, you come back with me. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and given your life to Him? Yes. Amen. Well, upon your profession of faith, Stephanie, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. 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 And that is the gift Christmas displayed right there. Jesus Christ came to die for you so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Merry Christmas. Congratulations to Stephanie. She's one of the uh, 
our girls on Wednesday night, and she's quite a little singer as well. So um, I'm just so thrilled that uh, she could have her baptism here on this Christmas morning. Uh, now I'm going to ask you to help us sing some carols this morning. What an appropriate time to do that, right? So we're going to sing about six carols, and I want you to turn to hymn number 87, and we're going to sing stanzas one and two only of these next four carols, and all you have to do is keep, turn the page, and it'll be on the left side once you turn the page. I think it's pretty easy, and uh, I need your help. 87, would you stand as we sing together with joy this morning?
comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. You are doing a really great job of singing these carols this morning, so we're going to have another opportunity to sing. Um, and I'd like for you to turn to hymn number 98. We're going to stand and sing. I'm going to change it up a bit, sing stanzas one and four of hymn number 98. And we'll sing the last, first and last stanza of Angels We Have Heard on High. So first and last stanzas, however many there are. Okay, first and last, would you stand as we sing 98. to share a couple uh, verses with you. I know we've been standing and singing wonderful carols, but the word of the Lord means so much to you, and I hope it means something to uh, you, and you can carry on as we uh, share these tithes and offerings with everyone. These are um, offerings you are to receive from, from them, gold, silver, and bronze. When the altar is anointed, the leaders brought their offerings for its dedication and presented them before the altar. Please remember, God gave us his love, his grace, his peace. Those are untangible. We want you to bring the tangible so we can share those untangible with everyone. Let us pray. Father, what a special occasion to worship the Lord here at Kingsville Baptist Church. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to worship, to understand why we're here to worship, 
thank you for giving us those gifts of tithes and offerings and for us to share that with the kingdom, the world, to bring another person to the Lord like we did this morning with this young lady as she was baptized. So I bless these tithes and offerings in your name. Amen. Now we pray. Oh Lord, as we have sung praises to your name, as we have celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we only have the opportunity to do so because of your grace shown to us. And for this we give thanks. We're grateful, Father, 
for this opportunity to come to your house on this day. As we anticipate this day for so long each year. And when we come here today. We recognize the fulfillment of the promise. Through Jesus Christ. Thank you for each person. Who has come to this place this morning. For their families. We give thanks. For the opportunity to be together in worship. We give thanks. We're grateful father. That we can spend this hour together. Celebrating the hope. The joy. The love. And the peace that comes to those. Who know you as Savior. We pray, Father, for the many of our church family who have lost loved ones in this past year. This day, in particular, is filled with mixed emotions. We grieve the passing of those we love. And yet we rejoice in knowing that their faith has been given sight. Help us, Father. To cling to that message of comfort that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. We are grateful, Father, that as we bow before you this morning, that we can know that you hear our prayers. And so we pray on behalf of those who are ill. We pray, Father, that you will give them strength and healing. But not your will, Father. Not our will, but your will be done. We are grateful, Father, for our missionaries around the world. For the sacrifices they make away from family and loved ones in this season of the year. They do so, Father, because they know that the message that comes through the Christ child needs to be shared with all people. So that they too have the opportunity to experience the peace that comes in a life in service to the Lord. We're grateful, Father, for this nation. And we pray that you would be with our leaders. That you would give them wisdom and the courage to do what is right in your sight. We thank you for this church. For the opportunities of worship last night and for this time today, we are grateful for those who have given of their time and their talents to make these services possible so that we could honor and glorify your name. Thank you for the gift of Christ. Thank you for the love and grace that you have shown to us. For we make this prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you for being here on this morning. It's a joy to worship with you on Christmas morning. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. Not a traditional Christmas story, but one that has meaning for us as we contemplate our Lord. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jim Smith went to church one Sunday morning. He heard the organist miss a note during the prelude. And he winced. He saw a teenager talking when everybody was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. He felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate and it made him boil. He caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. As he slipped out through the side door during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, Never again! What a bunch of clods and hypocrites. Ron Jones went to church one Sunday morning. He heard the organist play an arrangement of a mighty fortress. And it thrilled. And he was thrilled at the majesty of it. He heard a young girl take a moment in the service to speak her simple moving message of the difference her faith makes in her life. He was glad to see that this church was sharing in a special offering for the hungry children of Nigeria. He especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday. It answered a question that had bothered him for a long time. He thought as he walked out the doors of the church, how can a person come here and not feel the presence of God? Both men went to the same church On the same Sunday morning, each found what he was looking for. What do we look for 
on Sunday morning? What do we look for when we look to Christ? Life without purpose is an empty shell. A purposeless life is flabby and subject to fluctuation. It is no problem to discover the purpose God gave to all other of His creation. People have purpose too, but purpose must be discovered and personal commitment be made to the highest reason for life. This message deals with the interplay of relationships between John and Jesus. These men were highly motivated by a realization of purpose. They were in this life for reasons assigned by God. As we gather on this Christmas morning, we are profoundly aware of the role that both John and Jesus play in the Christmas story. John, the forerunner of Jesus, eating locust and wild honey in the wilderness, was an unlikely prophetic voice. Jesus, born to a wandering family, being taxed by an oppressive government, could not even find appropriate accommodations to provide shelter for his birth, and yet God chose to use these two unlikely and unimpressive circumstances to reveal love to the world. Sometimes purposes are elusive. Sometimes circumstances don't actually match up with the reality. John knew his mission and fulfilled it. The coming of John into the world is a preface to the coming of Jesus. A boy child was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. The proud parents suffered a traumatic experience in the loss of speech from the lips of the father. With the coming of the son and Zechariah's naming him John, his speech returned. This couple was dedicated to the things of the temple. The announcement of the coming child was brought to the father by an angel of the Lord. He would be a child promised by the Lord. And he would be the one who would announce to the world the Holy One of Israel. There were no shepherds. No wise men. No bright stars in the east. And no heavenly chorus when John came into the world. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his appearance to Israel. As John preached, the echoes of his message ran across Israel. John called people to repentance and insisted that people bring forth fruit indicating their repentance. And so this morning, let's travel back to that time. And let's look at some of the scenes that were created there. Scene one is John the Baptist and Jesus. John's highest moment came when he was given the opportunity to reveal Jesus to the world. John was involved in a baptismal service at the Jordan when he saw Jesus in the crowd. It was time for the great announcement. Behold the Lamb of God. John had lived for this minute and for this announcement. See how John did it. There was no great fanfare. He planned no promotional events. John stood last in the long line of prophets that had spanned many years. Other prophets before him had the privilege of saying, He will come. John had the privilege of shouting, He is here. The one promised by God and looked for by His people had now been provided to the world. John denounced himself in favor of Jesus. He said, I am not worthy in one translation to loose the strings of his shoes. John's purpose was to introduce Jesus as the Messiah. He fulfilled his mission and faded into the background. Later, Jesus evaluated the role of John the Baptist in the ranks of the prophets. He was no reed shaken by the wind, a man clothed in soft raiment, he said. He was a prophet of the Lord. And Jesus said, there is none greater than John. He was a man with a mission, and the mission was realized in Jesus. Wouldn't it be nice to know your mission so decisively in life that there would never be any doubt as to your purpose? 
But life is messy, isn't it? And it's difficult to understand what our purpose might be apart from our relationship to Jesus Christ and with our relationship to Jesus Christ. How is it that God would have me serve? People even on this day when we are told that all should be right with the world and everyone is filled with Christmas bliss, there is still suffering, sorrow, pain, hunger and distress. The light of the world has come and yet people still grope in darkness. And so we switch to scene two. John in prison. John was put in prison. The walls were high and he was shut off from outside developments. No reports had come to him as to the activities of Jesus. Often he wondered, how are things going with Jesus? What are his activities? What are his methods? He eagerly waited to hear word of Jesus' inauguration as king. But that word never Patience sometimes wanes when a person is cut off from friends and his activities are stymied. And so what did John do? He didn't have a cell phone, so he couldn't text or call or Snapchat or Facebook. He did what they used to do. He sent someone to ask. John sent two of his disciples to listen for a word from Jesus. Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to expect another? Is this question of John's from depression a result of his isolation or evidence of inactivity on the part of Jesus? The reports he had been receiving about the activity of Jesus did not seem consistent with his personal expectations. Here was a very human trait in even the finest of disciples. Was John trying to set the guidelines for the mission God had for the life of another? We're good at that. We're good at telling other people what they ought to be doing. And John is human. And his idea of Messiah was caught up in the events and activities of the day. There he was in prison. The one who had proclaimed the king is here. The text does not suggest just what John's expectations were. Was he expecting Jesus to shake this world mightily in force and power? John was really seeking some affirmation of his personal mission. Had he made a mistake? He wanted an answer. Wisely, he directed it to the one who could give him the answer. And that is Jesus. And that's where we always should go. We all have questions. We all wander sometimes in this world, don't we, as we wonder. And John was no different. Jesus affirmed the mission of John. Go your way, he said to John's disciples. Tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the gospel is preached to the poor. Jesus told John that he would find his answer where he found his question. John went to his death. He probably never received, received satisfaction for this question. Strangely enough, neither John nor Jesus was received by people. Both of them went to their death. But the joy of life is demonstrated in the realization each of them had for his personal mission in this world. They lived and died for the mission given each of them by God. In that, we find hope. 
in that we can find peace in knowing that we are walking with the Lord in the way that he would have us to go. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, does it? You remember the Grinch. The Grinch thought that Christmas was all about the packages, ribbons, and bows. He thought it was about the great feast that they had when they carved the roast beef. And then when the day come and he thought he had stole Christmas. The story goes, you know, in Whoville. That his heart grew. And when his heart grew, he saw the true meaning of the gift that comes to us in Christmas. We all have our ideas of what this day should be. The world tries to tell us what we should be doing. We should have the latest, greatest gift because it will satisfy our every desire. And yet, when this day comes and this day goes, the reality rests in God's word. And then we go to scene three. Across 2,000 years, the same question is asked, shall we look for another Is it all a sad mistake? Have we wasted our years? Is Jesus done? Did we join a losing cause? Is it worthwhile to make personal commitments of hands and feet, lips, heart, and life to Jesus? John said that he is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. We certainly need that, but still there is the question, are you the one? Or do we seek another? If Jesus is not the one, where shall the one be found? What do we want him to be? What is he to be doing? Where shall we look for the evidences of the taking away of the sin of the world? Some want to look to great government. What has great government ever produced for the souls of of history, of people in history? History tells the story well. The governments of Egypt, of Greece, of the Roman Empire, Germany, France, and Spain were at one time first-rate world powers. Government cannot produce values. Government usually produces an arrangement where people become its servant. Social reform can never take away the sins of the world. Thousands of years ago, Josiah discovered that social reform can help people to walk on this earth, but cannot help people to live as complete persons because something is lacking, and that something is Christ. Where shall we go if not to Jesus? Jesus came to bear the sin of the world. His death on the cross is his credential. His victory over the tomb is the seal of his heavenly qualifications. Where would we seek another? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason that we gather in this place, not only today, but every day. Apart from him, we have no mission. And then we go to the final scene. This very day and this very life. John's uncertainty about Jesus grew out of the kind of ministry Jesus was pursuing. John had proclaimed the coming of the kingdom of heaven and had seen its coming in terms of judgment, symbolized by ox, winnowing fork, and fire. He seemingly expected the Christ to act dramatically to overthrow the wicked and to vindicate the righteous. Outwardly, the signs for such a victory were not apparent. For John was in prison while Herod, Antipas, and Herodias were living in luxury and power. And John didn't understand. Apparently, John expected the Messiah to take more direct and outward charge of the world about him. It may have seemed to him that Jesus was assuming too humble a role. It was at this very point that Peter and the others stumbled. It belongs to the strength of the New Testament that it presents the limitations of these heroes of the faith. Only Jesus is without fault. It is significant too that Jesus did not reject or belittle John even though John's honest doubt or uncertainty was at the most crucial point as to the identity of Jesus. 
And John would find his answer precisely where he found his question. In the deeds of Jesus. Jesus said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. That's powerful, isn't it? Go tell John what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Isn't that what the angels ask the shepherds to do? Go tell. Go seek out this Christ child. See what manner of person he is. The lame walk. The blind see. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Look around you at what Christ has done and then look in your life. And then you'll know. John's problem was that he seemed to want to describe how God's mission would be realized in Jesus. He wanted things to happen as they had happened to him. The balance of the story and the progress of Christian history tells us another great truth. What God does in Jesus is a lot better than what we think he ought to do. The Christmas song that speaks of making a list and checking it twice. To find out who is naughty or nice may be the way we think God ought to act toward those who have done wrong by keeping score. But God does not work that way. No matter what your circumstances, no matter how naughty, God provides grace to those who would receive it. It does not depend on us. It is totally the initiative of God in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, it's been proven we can't be good. So if you get a gift today and you think it's because you've been good, it's because somebody loves you, not because you've been good. If the basis of gift giving to my children was based on them being good year to year, they would have nothing. <laughs> not now, Courtney, not now. God gives us what we don't deserve. And John and each of us has trouble with that. And so we come here and we contemplate John and Jesus. John and Jesus were certainly not exceptions to the necessity for realization of personal mission in redeemed lives. My life and yours are here for reasons known by God. We are to be on a mission. That mission is the mission of God through life. Discovery of that reason for our lives is something of what Jesus meant when he described life in him as the abundant life. Jesus' coming was an inevitable judgment, yet its intention was to heal, cleanse, restore, free, and empower all who would receive the salvation he offers. It is significant that Jesus made the preaching of the gospel to the poor, not miracles his crowning work. People needed to hear the good news. God is constantly at work in the world. He works in and through redeemed persons who will commit time, talent, and total personality to those purposes that are discovered through prayer and involvement with others. What are you looking for in life? What matters to you? 
the Christmas story has a deep missionary theme. John was sent from God. Jesus was sent to the world. The commission of Christ is to redeem persons who will commit time, talent, and total personality to those redemptive purposes that are discovered through prayer and involvement with others. The greatest gift you can discover on this day and every day is in the words of the prophet Isaiah. Here I am, Lord. Send me. The blind see. And the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus said to John's disciples, go and tell that story to John. Jesus says to us today, go and tell that story to the world. And that is Christmas. The fact that God lives in us. And we illuminate his light. To the world. Shall we pray? Oh Lord we are grateful. For John. For he has shown us. Who we are. As we seek to determine. Who you are in our lives. Thank you that you have given us not what we deserve. But you have given to us grace. And through your grace. We celebrate this day and every day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our closing hymn of invitation and faith. And fellowship is number 96. Good Christian men rejoice. We rejoice because we know the purpose of the coming of the Messiah. And we praise his name as we stand and sing. Thank you again for being a part of this service on this day. Thank you, Brenda and Linda, for providing us with beautiful music to worship on this day and for the choir. Um, Brenda did everything but get them to sign a contract to say that they would be here because she didn't want it to be just she and I singing the song this morning. And so I'm grateful for the choirs they've come and for Stephanie's baptism. It was uh, the icing on the cake today, if you will, on Christmas morning. That's something she will always remember. 
uh, throughout her life. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart, we go in peace. In the peace of knowing that Jesus Christ walks with us each day. And he calls to us to serve him 